Everybody can fight a battle right now and get the victory right now. In the name of Jesus, somebody can praise your way out right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, every hand clapping. Every voice lifted. Hallelujah. Come on, praise him like you mean to praise him. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. We're glad to see all of you in the house of the Lord tonight. And it feels good in, in the sanctuary. We appreciate your prayer and pre-service prayer. And we appreciate you responding to that. Very powerful. Thank you for that. And the Lord thanks you for that. Tomorrow morning at 9 a.m., we will start our 24-hour prayer chain. And... Um, on Mondays, it starts until 9 a.m. For those of you that have never been a part of this before, it starts every Monday at 9 a.m. And it, it goes 24 hours a day until Thursday at noon. We have service Thursday night. And then it starts back again uh, Thursday night at midnight. And it'll go through Saturday at noon. And then the next week, all over again. So 9 a.m. Monday to noon on Thursday. Pick back up at midnight Thursday and till noon on Saturday. Uh, we have a host of people that have signed up for this, and that's wonderful. We do have a slot open um, from 11 p.m. Bless you. To 11.30. That was an anointed sneeze right there. Um, we have a slot, 30-minute slot open from 11 to 11.30. We have one open between 2.30 and 3. Uh, it's possible to fill that if I can get my 2 a.m. slot to move down to 2.30. I know somebody that wants that 2 a.m. slot. Uh, that'll be up to you. Then there's a slot open from 3.30 to 4 a.m. and then 10.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. And that's, that's about all we have open. Now, let me say this. I've not looked through the list um, extensively, but listen very, very carefully. Uh, I am, I'm asking uh, females not to sign up from 1230 a.m. to 4 a.m. And the reason for that is twofold. Number one, anybody can walk in the building at any time. And... Um, you know, we believe the Holy Ghost will protect us, certainly in a prayer chain. But, uh, you know, if, if, if the enemy is going to do anything nefarious, it'll probably happen between those hours. That's reason number one. Reason number two is just, just because it's the middle of the night and it, it's not good optics to have men and women going out of the sanctuary in the middle of the night. And we don't want to give anybody any kind of room to start something that's not true um, and so uh, we're, we're just asking you ladies um, not being chauvinistic your prayer is um, 
probably more powerful than our prayer, but, but there's a couple of good reasons for doing that. So if you wouldn't mind, from 12.30 a.m. to 4 a.m., uh, please just leave um, that to the men. I think I do see one female here signed up between those hours. Maybe if you would just consider moving that, just... Um, you're certainly not hurting anything. I'm just doing this for our own safety and, um, and protection, and it's really, really important. Um, and so we have one, two, three, four, looks like four or five slots that need to be filled. And so if you've not signed up for this, please do that tonight, and we'll need to get these names printed on the list uh, so that we can have a fresh list out here. Now, a couple of things I want you to keep in mind. Number one is when you come in, the list will be right here. Or it'll be over there. Um, don't move it out into the foyer. Just put it right here or right there. And when you come in, there'll be a pen there on the clipboard. If you'll just check your name to uh, show that you've been here, it's just something about seeing every block checked. Um, it just lets everybody on the list know when they come through and they see all those check marks. It's like, man, we're bombarding heaven and we're pushing back against hell and we are seeking the face of God and, and just believing it's something about a, the faith, the corporate faith of a joint cooperation that um, is very, very important with that. So please check your name off. The other thing I want you to remember is... Um, if you've signed up on a, on a time slot where other people have signed up, uh, if you've got a work conflict where you can only make it certain days, then I understand that. If you've got a distance issue to where you're signed up, you know, you're only able to come every once, every once in a while or something like that or only certain days of the week because you live so far. We have people that live an hour, an hour and a half away. They drive an hour to an hour and a half. Some of them do one way. And so uh, we're not asking them to be here in the building every day, uh, but just as they can. And some of them won't be able to make it very often, but they want to know that they want the church to know that they are praying at home and, and they will be here sometimes. So if you're signed up on a slot with somebody else, don't, don't cheat. Don't you, well, so-and-so will be there. I'll just take the day off or, you know, I stumped my toe today and, and um, their toes are in perfect condition. And I'll just let them handle it or whatever. If you signed up, we want you to be here. Your prayer is important. Now, if you get in here and you're praying with somebody and you've signed up with somebody and y'all's prayer is just not mixing, I don't think everybody's, uh, you know, it's easy to pray with every single person. It should be that way, but we're human beings, and so I understand it's not that way. It's, it's okay to... You know, to move to another time slot, I don't think anybody's going to be offended at that. Um, but do let us know if you decide to do that. Please communicate that with me so that we can actually put your name on another uh, time slot. And uh, this is not devotional prayer. This is not read your Bible time. This is not listen to the Bible time or listen to a Christian book or, um, you know, whatever. This is not inspiration moment. This is, um, this is corporate prayer, praying for the harvest, praying for the lost, praying for the backslider, praying for revival, praying for your brothers and sisters, praying for nations around the world, praying for God to have his way in our, in our world. 
And uh, so this is not about bringing your Christmas list. Certainly, I'm sure you will bring some things before the Lord and whatever, but it's, it shouldn't be all about that. This is, this is revival, praying, and it's spiritual warfare. And if you have questions about that, please just let me know. How long are we going to go? We're going to go until the Lord says um, that's enough for now. And um, I don't have any control over that. So uh, we, need, we need desperately uh, something to happen in our city and in our world. It's been a couple of years since we have done this. And so it's very important along the lines of more than just getting on track, but really having the greatest year of harvest that we've ever had and being able to disciple people. And so prayer has got to be the impetus for everything we do. It's got to be the catalyst. And so I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. And I, and I pray that you are excited about it. And I pray that you uh, understand the power over it or the power of it. Something will change really quickly here. If everybody will come in here and not watch the clock, just get in here. There's something about coming into the sanctuary and hearing the voice of somebody praying. And then when you're leaving, someone else is coming in and you're hearing their voice pray. And it's, we're handing the baton off uh, from one session to another. And it's very, very powerful. And you can expect the spirit world to be stirred up. And you can expect this prayer to begin to move things. So uh, don't be shocked if stuff starts happening spiritually. Don't freak out. Don't, you know, don't panic. You know, something, some kind of attack is least, unleashed or something like that. We're not, um, we're not intimidated by the adversary. That's, that's why we're praying. We're on, we are on the offensive. We're not on the defensive. We are on the offensive. And so um, I, I thank you so much for participating in that. And um, this is, uh, the, the prayer chain is uh, primarily for main campus because I know um, most folks from the other campuses live over in Louisville. Um, so uh, you're welcome to join us um, anytime and you're welcome to sign up on this prayer chain, check with your pastors and, and whatever. Um, and, and they're probably doing their own arrangement and organizing their own thing to start the year off. But this is going to be an exciting year. Brother Clark mentioned it January the 23rd. That's pack the house, and we want to pack the house all day long on every campus January the 23rd, and it's going to be an exciting day. Ezekiel chapter 22. I'm going to read two verses of scripture verse 30 the Lord said and I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me, everybody say, for the land. I was looking for a man to stand in the gap for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Can you imagine? 
Therefore have I poured out my indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord. Can you imagine one man in the gap could have turned back the wrath of God and prevented him from pouring out his indignation upon the heads of people. Our, our world, more than ever in my lifetime, has needed, and that's not, I'm not trying to be a sensationalist, I'm not trying to be melodramatic, it is a fact we are not under what we feel like is that vicious attack at that moment at this moment but we are under the heaviness of this gigantic lull that has set down on our world and this world needs people to stand in the gap and so tonight i want to talk to you about the gap Praise God. Father, in your name, I pray, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, to do your will. In this place, oh God, I pray that you would help us to be obedient to you. Help us, Lord, to connect deeply with you. Put us in the shoes of some sinner, some backslider. Someone that is not able to get to where you are. Someone that doesn't know how to approach the throne. Someone that doesn't know what the right way is and how to be saved. What the truth is. They don't understand the word of God. And they're covered up with problems and sin and iniquity. And I pray, Lord, that you would raise this church body up to stir something up, O oh Lord, and release something into the atmosphere that would bring a calm to our world and a peace to our world and shut down every thing that is a component of the strategy of the, the enemy. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name that you would have your way. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you just clap your hands unto the Lord and give him praise? Yes. Well, I like the sound of that. I like the sound of it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. And you may be seated. There is what... The Lord called a gap, a distance, a chasm, if you will, a breach, a canyon, a division between God and man. And in that gap, there are a lot of things that, that bring that distance. There are broken marriages and drug addictions, there is alcoholism, 
There's nicotine addiction. There, there is infirmities, sicknesses. There is hatred and malice, jealousy, partiality, temptations of, of every kind that cause people to have distance between them and God. And it is summed up in the word gap. It's a gap where people cannot get to where God is. How many of you remember what that feels like? Do you remember what it feels like to be lost? Just drifting, no direction, life's in a mess. And fortunately for most of you, probably you had some kind of connection to the church. Somehow, some way, there was some kind of connection. Maybe it was a family member. Maybe it was a friend, somebody you worked with that allowed you to get connected to the body of Christ and to be in the truth. But for most people, that is simply not the case. And so people live in their gap. They live in their problems, and after a while it gets to a place to where they are so overcome and overwhelmed with the weight of the problems and the temptations, the challenges that they face, the addictions that have them bound up, and the incarceration of sin. Many times people just learn to live in the gap. It's just easier that way. Even though they're overwhelmed with problems, they've got they've got substances that are eating away at their their organs. Cirrhosis is just a matter of time. Cancer is just a matter of time. Brokenness is on the menu of every day of their life. And some of you remember what it feels like, but just just can you imagine that maybe you don't remember that, but you think about the condition of somebody else's life right now and how miserable that they are living in the gap. How miserable they are. They have no peace. Tonight they will go to bed with no peace. Not sure if God really loves them or not. Not sure what church to go to. Who's preaching the truth? What is the right doctrine? Having never been touched by or filled with the Holy Spirit of God. They will not, they will not sleep like you and I sleep. You and I have our problems that we wade through and we have our challenges. But we will leave strengthened tonight because we were together in the presence of God. Most people, I hope, will leave this place in a good mood. If you didn't come in a good mood, maybe you'll leave in a good mood. But a lot of people will go to bed with no hope that tomorrow's going to be any better than it was today. And when you put it in that perspective, the challenges and the problems that we face are not 
they are not near as big as what they're going through. Because of this gap, the Lord put together a plan for mediation. In the Bible, these people that stand in the gap, and I think most of you know they are called intercessors. And an intercessor would stand in the gap between God and man. To intercede is to go between two parties, to plead to one on behalf of the other. And we have examples of this in the Old Testament. Priests and prophets had this function. They stood in the gap between God and the people, and they interceded on behalf of the people. Now, intercession was possible because God allowed prophets to know about his plans before they came to be. In Amos chapter 3, verse 7, the Bible said, Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. The Lord has never worked by sneak attack. He, he is going to alert somebody as a watchman on the wall to point out and say there's danger on the horizon. As the danger gets closer, they will sound the alarm louder and more frequent. At first, it's just a voice of subtlety. Be careful, the enemy is coming. Be careful, a demonic spirit is released. Keep your eyes open and watch and pray and be on guard because Something is happening and it's nefarious and we don't know exactly what it is. But the Lord reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. And because of that, it was possible for intercession to be made. The Bible is full of men of God that, that rose up and spoke and they prophesied that wrath is coming, that judgment is coming. That there's a shaking going to happen. That the Lord is not pleased. Intercession is necessary because of the gap that sin caused between God and humanity. Sin broke humanity's relationship not only with God but with nature and with one another. That's why there is so much fighting in this world. There's so much hatred in this world. It's a sin problem. And so, therefore, we understand that God made provision for there to be bridges to be built. Abraham interceded for Sodom. And he started out by saying when the Lord told him what he was going to do to Sodom, he said, I'm going to destroy this city. I'm going to burn it down with fire and brimstone. He said, I'm going to destroy it with my wrath. Abraham said, hold on, Lord. If, if I can just find 50 righteous, would, would you hold back the wrath? And the Lord, because he was honoring the position of an intercessor, he said, I will. And so then he asked for 45, and he said, I will. And then he asked for 40, and he said, I will. He asked for 30 and 20, and then got on down to 10. And we can surmise all day long as to why he stopped at 10. But we know that by reading the finality of the story that, that Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed because he could not find ten, but he did find Lot. 
And he was able to rescue Lot. And it should have been his wife, but she turned around and she still had somewhere in her spirit a longing for that life and that city. Somehow calling it home, I don't know how, after what she had witnessed. But it did save Lot and her two daughters, his two daughters. They came out not just because God just arbitrarily decided, but because there was an intercessor that stood in the gap and said, hold on a second, God. Since you've revealed this to me, we need to have a conversation first. It's the, it's the same thing that, that happened with Moses when he interceded for Israel. The Lord told Moses, he said, I'm, I'm fed up with it. I'm, I'm tired of it. I, I, can't, I can't deal with these people anymore. I mean, he was angry. He was frustrated. And he said, I, I'm about to destroy them all. I'm going to wipe them out. And I tell you what, Moses, I'm going to get rid of every last one of them, and I'll make a great nation out of you. We'll just go back to square one, and we'll start with you, and I will build a great nation out of you. And Moses said, hold on, God. If you're going to destroy them, you're going to have to take me too. That's the heart of an intercessor. Someone that understands the implications of what is about to happen and is daring enough to stand before God and say, God, can we just talk for a minute? You cannot do this. Imagine. Imagine hearing the voice of God like that and being able to resist him. Most people would say, well, God, if that's what you feel like doing. But no, the heart, the heart of an intercessor says, it's never too late. Jeremiah, they called him the weeping prophet. It's the posture of intercession, that, that weeping, that travailing, those tears that ran from his eyes, and he wept over. He wept over Israel, and he got to the point where he said, I, I cannot prophesy anymore, God. I can't even talk to these people anymore. I can't say it anymore, but yet... It was like fire shut up in my bones, and I could not forbear. And so Jeremiah said, I got to prophesy one more time. There's somebody out there, surely, that will listen to what I have to say. But the Lord responded to him in Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 1. He said, run you to and fro through the streets. I want you to put yourself in this picture here. Run you to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem. And see now and know and seek the broad places thereof. If you can find a man, if there be any that executed judgment, that seeketh the truth, and I will pardon it. Jeremiah, run through the streets. Look and see if you can find one who has righteous intentions. If I can just find somebody that's looking for the truth, as long as I can find somebody looking for the truth, he said, I'll pardon it. And though they say, the Lord liveth, surely they swear falsely. O Lord, are not thine eyes upon the truth? Thou hast stricken them, but they have not grieved. Thou hast consumed them, but they have refused to receive correction. They have made their faces harder than a rock, and they have refused to return. Jeremiah was coming to the place that the Lord was coming to. I want you to think about the condition of our world today that almost seems like that, that nobody's looking for the truth. But that's not really the case. 
And he says in Jeremiah chapter 7 and verse 16, he said, therefore pray not. God is fed up with it. He said, pray not for this, thou for this people, neither lift up cry nor prayer for them. In, in other words, it, it has worked up until now. But I've reached a point where I'm not going to hear it anymore. We need to pray before God reaches that point with our world. I, I live with the feeling every day of looking into the eyes of people, realizing these, these people have no idea what's about to happen to them. They have no idea that at any given moment, a car wreck, a disease, a gunshot, something could take them out of this world. Their heart could just stop. They could have a, a massive heart attack and drop dead today, and, and they would die. They would fall to the ground and be in hell the next second. These people have no idea what is coming to them, but as long as there is a praying church, as long as there is somebody that will stand in the gap and make up the hedge, I believe the Lord will hear, but he didn't hear at this case. In this case, he said, don't, don't lift up a cry, no prayer for them, neither make intercession for them, for I will not hear thee. Chapter 11, verse 14, he said, therefore pray not thou for this people, neither lift up a cry or prayer for them, for I will not hear them in the time that they cry unto them for, uh, for their trouble, unto me for their trouble. In Jeremiah chapter 11 and verses 11 through 15, I believe that's right. Then said the Lord unto me, pray not the Lord, pray not uh, for this people for their good. When they fast, I will not hear their cry. When they offer burnt offering and an oblation, I will not accept them, but I will consume them by the sword and by the famine and by the pestilence. Then said I, ah, Lord God, behold, the prophets say unto them, you shall not see the sword, neither shall you have famine, but I will give you assured peace in this place. Their false prophets were telling them that the wrath of God was not going to come. You have nothing to worry about, Israel. God's not as mad as you think he is. Peace is coming. Then the Lord said unto me, the prophets prophesy lies in my name. I sent them not, neither have I commanded them, neither spoke unto them. They prophesy unto you a false vision and divination and a thing of naught and the deceit of their heart. Therefore, thus saith the Lord concerning the prophets that prophesy in my name, and I sent them not. Yet they say, sword and famine shall not be in this land, but by sword and famine shall those prophets be consumed. Beware of people that only tell you the good stuff. Beware of prophets that only talk about peace and prosperity. And they don't warn people to change and turn from the error of their ways and preach against sin and preach repentance and preach conviction and preach judgment. There is a wrath that is coming. But right now the church is here. And I believe as long as we're here, we have the right to stand in the gap for people. If you believe that, say amen. In Numbers 25... It describes how Israel's disobedience resulted in a plague. There was a plague came upon them for their disobedience. And Phinehas, a priest who was a son of Eleazar, killed the disobedient Israelite that brought the plague upon the land of Israel. And because of Phinehas' faithfulness, God ended the plague. 
God made a covenant with Phinehas, and the priestly line would, would now come down through Phinehas and his descendants. And then in the time of David and Solomon, we read of Zadok who served them, and he was a descendant of Phinehas. There was this, this line of mediation that the Lord was putting in place, which is the very reason that he instituted the priesthood. The very reason that he instituted the priesthood and the prophetic voice to his people is to warn his people about the error of their ways and to teach them the ways of God and to help them to live a life that is pleasing to God and that when they moved away from pleasing God that there was going to be a gap that was going to develop between them. Now, to some of you in this place tonight, there is, there is a gap, but the gap is thin because you are human and you make mistakes and you fail from time to time, but the gap is thin. But there are people in this world that don't believe that God exists. They're alcoholics, they're drug addicts, they're prostitutes, they're lying whoremongers. They are, they are people that are perverted in spirit. They are twisting and perverting everything that God created. And the gap is getting wider and wider and wider in this world. But I don't find anything in the Bible that tells me whether the gap is thin or whether the, the gap is wide enough to where you can't see from one side to the other. He just said, if I can find a man that will stand in that gap. Really, I don't care how wide the gap is. I feel my help right now. I don't care how wide the gap is, but if I can find somebody that knows how to stand in the gap and make intercession and somebody that will weep for the lost and cry for the backslider and reach out to the hurting and the hungry, he said, I will turn and I will heal the land and I will, I will help them and I will bless them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Do you understand what I'm saying tonight? God needs the church in this hour more than ever before to stand in a gap and to make intercession and to call upon the name of the Lord and say, God, hold on. You can't destroy Sodom yet. If we can find 50 righteous, Lord, we need you to hold back your hand of judgment. Come on, won't you clap your hands? Won't you give him praise? Why don't you lift him up? We stand tonight in a privileged position. God put this structure in place for mediation. He was not going to leave people without a mediator. Now in the New Testament, of course, Jesus becomes the ultimate and only intercessor. He is the great high priest. Hebrews chapter 4 describes it like this, seeing then that we have a great high priest now watch the analogy here. Watch the storyline. He is passed unto the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. The living Bible said, but Jesus, the Son of God, is our great high priest who has gone to heaven itself to help us. Therefore, let us never stop trusting him. In verse 15, it said, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, 
but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. Man could not come boldly before the throne of God until Calvary, till the blood of Jesus was shed, till Jesus took his own blood and passed into heaven. He didn't pass into an earthly tabernacle. He was the earthly tabernacle. He passed into heaven itself. He took the blood, the spotless lamb, the blood of the spotless lamb, the only innocent blood, and he sprinkled it upon the mercy seat in heaven. And he said, because of that, because there's blood on the throne now, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. It's a throne of grace. It's not a throne of judgment. Now judgment is coming, but grace precedes judgment now that the cross has been finished. He said that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now he compares the priesthood of Christ to the priesthood of the Old Testament priest. He said, for every high priest taken from among men. That's an important statement. They are taken from among men. They are ordained from men in things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. Now, one thing you need to understand about the priest is that they didn't have a choice in the matter. There wasn't an interview process. There was no application. Are you here tonight? There was no application for the priesthood. The Old Testament priests didn't line up and say, hey, I'd like to sign up for the job. Here's my resume. They didn't go to somebody and say, hey, we think you'd be a great high priest. What do you think about it? No, God selected them. God chose Aaron. He gave Aaron to Moses because Moses was saying what he was saying. He said, I'm going to raise up, I'm going to raise up Aaron, your brother, to be the high priest. Aaron didn't have a choice in the matter. He never went to Aaron and said, hey, how do you feel about this, bud? And Aaron didn't say, well, I'm kind of in a full-time career right now. You know, I'm pursuing my education. I'm trying to get a college degree and, and all that kind of stuff. You know, we get, we get all kind of options with ministry nowadays. We get to submit resumes, and we get to argue with God. We get to run from God, and we get to tell God what we're going to do and what we're not going to do. And we're going to be part-time, or we're going to be full-time in the ministry or whatever. But, but the priesthood was initiated by a mandate from heaven saying, Heaven has selected you to be the high priest of the nation of Israel. They didn't have a choice. They were taken from men. And they were told, Your job is to stand in the gap. Your, your job, what that tells me is when God looked at the nation of Israel and said, I sought for a man through the prophet Ezekiel. He said, I, I, I sought for a man to stand in the gap and make up the hedge, but I found none. What that told me is there was problems in the priesthood. And he said, your job is to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. Now he said, who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. In other words, the priest got his own stuff to deal with. And by reason thereof, hereof, he ought as for the people, so also for himself to offer sins. And no man taketh his honor unto himself, but he that is called of God as was Aaron. They didn't call themselves to the priesthood. They didn't take honor unto themselves because God chose them. It was a selection. They were God's choice. Now, the reason he said that is because of this. He said, so also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest. That little baby in Bethlehem didn't ask to be the Messiah. He wasn't looking for honor for himself. 
he was selected as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, to make to offer gifts and sacrifices, amen, by offering himself, by being beaten, by being mutilated, by being nailed to an old rugged cross. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, if it be possible, I didn't ask for this. I didn't submit a resume. And I know we hadn't had this conversation before now, but this is more real to me than it's ever been in this flesh. I I understand what's about to happen with this flesh. Uh, And he said, if it be possible, nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. Christ glorified not himself to be made high priest, but he said unto him, thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. As he saith also in another place, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered us prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him, that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. The great and eternal mediator. Now, if you if you ever want to know God's attitude toward sin, look at the cross. The Bible said it pleased the Father to bruise him, for he hath put him to grief. He hath put him to pain. He put him to sickness. He made him sick. Some of y'all haven't been feeling good lately. Christ became every sickness all at one time. He didn't just have a 24-hour virus, and I'm not trying to reduce. Some of y'all have been sick for several days, and I know you were violently sick, unable to lift your head off the pillow. But when he was hanging there on the cross, he became every sin ever committed, every kind of sin, and he became every sickness and every disease there was. He experienced every kind of pain that there was. He became all of that. It it pleased the Father to bruise him. And the reason was because God was going back 4,000 years and looking at that structure and that plan of mediation and, and, and Messiahship that he had put into place, I'm not going to leave man without mediation. He's going to leave you an advocate that can stand up in heaven's courtroom and defend you when your feet slip and when you fail and when you make a mistake. But we're privileged tonight because we know how to come before the throne of grace. There's a drug addict out there that's out of his mind tonight and doesn't know how to get to his throne. Therefore, God needs his church body to stand in the gap. You go into a courtroom, the the prosecution, they got all kind of evidence. They got evidence that's not even really evidence. They're going to take evidence and turn it into evidence that ain't even evidence. And they're going to build this case and make it look like everything they possibly can because somebody somewhere is convinced that you are the perpetrator. And you might be. But in every case, that's not the case. And prosecutors, no offense to any attorneys or anything like that that may be watching, but prosecutors ain't always looking for the truth. They're looking for a conviction. I'm sorry to say that. That's the world that we live in. And the reason they're looking for a conviction is because they believe in their mind that there is enough evidence, even though it may be circumstantial, that that, that is the person. Sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. So somebody, you're going to walk into the courtroom in an orange jumpsuit. They didn't had your face plastered on the news, so your reputation's already ruined because in the pulp of public opinion, you're guilty. 
that you're going to walk in in an orange jumpsuit and everybody in that courtroom's going, yeah, well, they did it. Look, they're wearing orange. They got them shackled. They got them chained up and whatever. Maybe they did it and maybe they didn't. But in our court system, it was designed in heaven to where you're not going into a judgment courtroom without a mediator. And you're going to have a defense attorney there that's going to do everything he can to disprove what the prosecutor is saying beyond all reasonable doubt. Now the problem we have as sinners is that we are guilty every time because we were born in sin and shaping in iniquity. There is no fabricated evidence. There is, there is no hearsay. There, there is no poll of public opinion. No. When you were born in that human flesh, you were born a liar, a cheater, a conniver. You were born jealous and partial. Are you hearing me here tonight? But somehow God said, even though you're guilty, I'm going to let the innocent be the mediator for the guilty. And so what happens is, what happens is we deserve the death penalty. We deserve the gas chamber. We deserve to burn in hell. And we should be burning in hell. If God would have ended the project in the Old Testament, we'd all be in a mess uh, because we weren't born in the Jewish lineage. Uh, but through Christ, uh, he brought the Greek and the Roman together. He brought the Jew and the Gentile together. He brought the bond and the free together. He brought the liar, the whoremonger, the adulterer, all of them together. And he said, I'm still going to live leave room for a mediator in their life I know they're guilty but the reason they're guilty is because I need to help them understand I'm the only one that can save them I'm the only one that can bring them out I'm the only one that can love them beyond all of their mistakes and all of their sin you think about if God just kept you locked into the worst sin you ever committed just think about it. He just locked you up and said, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. Think about if there wasn't an Abraham to say, hold on, hold on, God. Hold on. I, I, I know they killed three people. I, I know they've been hating on people. I know they're starting wars with people. I, I know they committed mass genocide. I, I know they've been lying on people. And they've been ruining people's reputation. I know they've been cheating on their spouse. Uh, I know every word that comes out of their mouth is dishonest. Uh, I know they're conniving and they're a cheater. But you said there's a mediator. And as long as there's a mediator, you got to hold on. Uh, and you got to give me an opportunity to find righteous here, here. Oh, come on. God's looking at this world. And people are saying it every day. Hey, we, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, we, we don't have nothing. Sodom and Gomorrah don't have anything on us. We're so far beyond Sodom and Gomorrah, we're proud of our iniquity. And we, we're much bigger than Sodom and Gomorrah. But the reason that the Lord hadn't given up on America and the reason that the world, Lord hadn't given up on the world is because the time of his coming is not yet. And as long as the time has not come for him to return for his bride, there's still chance to mediate for them. I wonder if anybody in this place that will say, hold on, God. You can't have my cousin. You can't have my nephew. You can't have my children. You can't 
ain't had my great grandchildren yet. You said that you would stand in the gap. And you said I could stand in the gap. And so, Lord God, I'm praying for mercy right now. I'm coming before the throne of grace. And I'm asking you to hold off your judgment. Here, here, here's what happens. BK, would you come here and McCart, come here real quick. Which one of y'all wants to be God? We'll flip a coin. Can't have both of them because there's not two gods. We get Pastor Jackson up here, we can just be Trinitarians. But anyway. I'm not wrong. Let's, let's, let's let Brother Clark be God. And no offense. I had to pick one of you. Here's the center. Just go over there. In between here is this gap. He can see God. He just can't get to him. He knows he ex- he's exists. Now, he tells his friend he's an atheist, but he knows better. Because God put a measure of faith in every human being. I don't care what they say with their mouth. They're lying. There ain't no such thing as atheists. There's just people that say they're atheists. Every man has dealt a measure of faith, and that faith in every person, I don't care how deep in sin they are, that faith in every person leans toward that. Now, the reason he can't get from here to there is because of this gap that he lives in. Every time he tries to get from here to there, He's tripping over all this stuff that's in his life. All this stuff. And he may even get to a church service and be filled with the Holy Ghost and be baptized in Jesus' name. But when he walks out, he walks right back into the gap. Because he didn't know when he came to church that night that the Spirit of the Lord was going to move on him so deeply that he was going to respond to God in a way that he had never... Because he walked into a place of mediation here and the presence of the Lord was moving and somehow he got a connection with God but he walked out there back into the real world and he was faced with the gap again. That's why you can't just pray to get them in the building. you got to pray for them after they get in the building. And you got to pray for them two weeks later and a month later and six months later until they become a disciple, until the gap gets smaller and smaller and smaller in their life. Now, here, here's, here's what happens. Here's what happens. Now, he really is my nephew, for those of you that don't know. But he's my nephew, and he's, he's living in sin. He's not living in sin, but you know what I'm saying. He's playing the sinner right now, okay? He doesn't even look like a sinner, so he's not doing very good. But, but, but he's, he's my nephew. I've got a burden for him. I've got a burden for him now. Because the Lord has allowed me to be burdened by this gap in his life. I'm trying to pull him out of the drugs. And I'm trying to pull him out of the, you know, whatever lifestyle. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get the hate out of him. And I'm trying to get him to love God and to love people. And to come to church. Please come to church. Come on. I'm trying. I'm working on it. But I can't. I can't because of this gap here. But the more I pray, the more I pray. See, Christ, Christ, 
He was here in flesh 2,000 years ago, but he's not here anymore. So I, I can't, I can't, come here, Martel. I can't get Christ to come stand in the gap for me. I can't say, Christ, would you do me a favor here? Because I am limited and I have nothing I have nothing left. I, I've tried. I've bribed him. I, I said I would pay him. I said I'd take him to dinner if he came to church. I, I, I told him I would, you know, I'd mow his yard. I begged him. I've done everything I could. I took him on a vacation. He just won't listen to me. I can't grab a hold of Christ and say, would you stand in the gap for him? Because Christ isn't here in the flesh. But what I can do is the same thing as if he was here in flesh. I can pray in the spirit and the spirit can make intercession and I can pray in the spirit in the name of Jesus. Hold on. So, so I'm here and I'm praying in my 24 hour prayer chain. God, you gotta, you gotta say BK, Lord, you gotta do this. You gotta do this. God, would you please? Well, hold on. Not yet. I didn't say it yet. I didn't say the magic word yet. Because Christ ain't here in the flesh. But oh Lord, can you do this? God, can you just reach BK? Can you just give me the right words to say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, oh God, would you come make me? Would you come? Would you come, Lord? And would you stand in the gap? Amen. I'm the intercessor, but he's the eternal mediator and the eternal high priest. And when I begin to pray in the spirit, and the spirit begins to make intercession, when I do it in the name of Jesus, all of a sudden the gap has been filled. And there's a bridge for him to cross that is Christ and that connects him to the spirit of God. I can't make people, I can't make people cross the bridge, but I can make sure there is a bridge. Oh, somebody ought to praise him right now. Oh, come on. There's revelation about to hit this place here tonight. You need to understand. Thank y'all. You need to understand. I'm just picking on you. You know that. I love Martell. This stuff that we do, we get discouraged and we get frustrated because in all of our efforts, we're trying our best to get them. We just can't get them to come to church. We just can't get them. And we want the people to be saved that we want to be saved. But a lot of times the people that we want to be saved are not ready to be saved. They're not ready to cross that bridge. It doesn't mean that I don't pray for them in the name of Jesus. But when the Spirit begins to pray for me, through me, the spirit flows out of me. And I don't understand what I'm praying. I don't know what to pray for, and I don't understand what I'm praying for. But the Lord's saying, I got somebody you ain't ever met before that I'm gonna be I'm gonna use you as the vessel. You're the intercessor, and I'm gonna pray through you, and I'm gonna stand in the gap for them because you stood in the gap and you're Christ. Amen. You're the body of Christ. The body of Christ has got to stand in the gap, and because you stand in the gap, I'll stand in the gap. You don't even know their name yet. When they walk in, you think that they heard an advertisement. You thought that they just kind of walked in here accidentally, but no. When you prayed, you didn't 
didn't even know it, but I sent an angel to where they are because I'm the God of mediation. I don't want to leave people without mediation. I'm the great high priest, and I'm the great intercessor. Oh, somebody needs to praise him right now. Come on, somebody needs to praise him right now. Yeah. Oh, praise him. Now watch this. I'm closing. Watch this. The priest daily would make sacrifices for his own sin and for the sins of Every day, every day, they made a sacrifice. In the morning, they changed the incense. In the evening, they changed the incense. Every seven days, they replenished the, the showbread. The candle was lit perpetually. Every day. Every day they did it, 365 days a year. The nation of Israel kept going away from God. They had a mediator. God did everything he could to put into place. But he said, the one thing I cannot do, I cannot put my spirit within them. And so once a year, every day, but then one time a year, on the day of atonement, the priest would go beyond the veil and he'd take the incense and the blood. He was making intercession. Morning and evening at the altar of incense, he was making intercession. I preached to you about it last week. Making intercession. But he could not put his spirit within people. Do you know how much that God wants to pour his spirit out upon all flesh. Do you know that God does not celebrate the death of one sinner and them being lost? As a matter of fact, it said all of heaven celebrates, rejoices over one sinner that repents more than over 99 just person that needs no repentance. It's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know how anxious that God is to give a revival to this city? But he's got to find people that understand the power of what it is they're doing. We're not repeating words. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Do something, Lord, do something, Lord. Oh, God, we're thankful to be here. No, no, no. But when you get in the deep things of the Spirit, and you begin to pray with groanings that cannot be uttered. When your spirit begins to groan for the freedom of the alcoholic, for the deliverance of the drug addict, from the thief and the robber, oh God. Praying in the spirit, warring in the spirit, the spirit begins to move out into the highways and hedges. The spirit begins to melt the heart of sinners. And intercession is for anything that you need from God. 
It's for anything. Whatever's in the gap, intercession ensures that Jesus comes in and bridges the gap. I can't get from here to there. You can if you or somebody will make intercession. So what the Lord is calling us to is to not be a church of prayer. Not to just be a church of devotion and good Christianity and wholesome living and convictions and dress right and look right and be holy for I'm holy. That's not really the intended goal. That, that, that should be the finished product. But that's not the intended goal. The intended goal is for everybody that can to have what we have. Yes, I'm, I'm not reducing holiness and all that. Separation, yes, we got to have that. But really, it doesn't need to be a 50-year process. When you're filled with the Holy Ghost, there ought to be something in you that makes you want to be like Him, and you're working on it every day because you know how to work on it. Amen. But some of us, listen, I'm closing. Some of us are standing in heaven's courtroom, and we are trying to mediate for people that won't come to church, won't sit down for a Bible study, won't love God, they won't leave their sin, they won't quit living like the devil. We're trying to do all that kind of stuff. And what we need to say is, God, my attorney skills are not very good. Now, you're free. People are free in a court of law to represent themselves. But it's ludicrous to do that. Wouldn't you rather put your fate in the hands of somebody that knows how to communicate properly with the judge? And some of you in here understand how to communicate with the judge of heaven and earth. We don't need to leave sinners in a place where they've got to, to come to their own defense. There needs to be a church that will stand in the gap here and say, God, you can't destroy Sodom yet. I know there's some righteous people out there, Lord. You can't destroy. I'm closing right now. I'm done preaching. You can't destroy my family, God. You can't destroy the people in my workplace. I know there's some righteous people here, God. I know how they talk. I know the profanity that comes out of their mouth. But somebody is righteous in here, God. Would you just hold on until you give me a shot? And standing in the gap for them is anybody that would like to come right now and stand in the gap for somebody. You might not even know who it is. But I want you to put your feet right in the middle of somebody's mess. And I want you to bring Christ into the situation by praying in the Spirit. Come on. I want you to lift your voice and I want you to begin to pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Oh God, I want you to pray in the Holy Ghost right now. That's it. Come on. We know not what to pray for as we ought to pray, but the Spirit... It knows what to pray. For it maketh intercession with groanings that cannot be uttered. This prayer, this altar call is not about your needs tonight. It's about the lost sinner. It's about the people that are far from God. It's about the people that claim to be atheists. They claim to not believe in God. They claim, they claim to, well, I know I'm going to hell. In the name of Jesus, my God, have mercy. We can pray him out of it. That's it right there. Come on. That's it. Come on. Lift up a shout to the Lord on behalf of the sinner. Lord, when you look at our Sodom tonight, when you look at our Gomorrah in this place and this metro, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would look through the glasses of mercy. Look through, Lord, the eyes of mercy here tonight because we come boldly before the throne of grace.
Yes, that's it. Come on, that's it. That is it. That's it. Kabdalamo Sike Abaha. Woo! Ha ha. Moni be Sike Andalamo Hokandalebeseya. Yeah, come on, greater faith. Come on, saint of God. They're out there. Our little two-minute prayers for them is not cutting it. But if we can get on our face before God sometime, if we can come boldly before the throne of grace and let the Spirit pray through us, do it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, oh God, step into the gap tonight. Step into the gap, Lord Jesus. That's it. Come on. That's it. That's it. Do you have somebody in mind? The Lord's going to put faces before your mind tonight. There's a lost kid out there. There's somebody that's been abused. There's somebody that's full of devils. Oh, there's somebody that's in the trenches tonight. Somebody sleeping on the streets. That's it. Come on. When Zion travailed, children were born of her. Come on. Prayer can bring your husband back. Prayer can bring your children back. But prayer can also bring the stranger back. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, the church is about to intercede like we never have before. 24 hours a day. 24 hours a day, we're going to call on you, Lord Jesus. We're asking you, Lord, to send angels through the streets of our metro. Send angels through the up and down the interstates and highways of our nation across the seas in every nation Lord God come on I want you to let the Lord put a nation on your mind let him put a country in your spirit tonight in the name of Jesus it may not be the country you intercede for tomorrow but let him put one in your spirit tonight Jesus they may not be as far from God as you think but regardless of how far it is all they need is a bridge Jesus. Woo! Ha ha. Yes, I feel it. Come on, get in the flow. Get in the flow. Let God use you right now. Jesus, Jesus, hallelujah. 
Wake them up in the middle of the night, God. Put rocks in their bed. Lord Jesus, send them signs. Send people into their life. Intersect their path of iniquity until they turn towards you. Oh, you said it's not your will that any should perish. We intercede for everybody that's in false doctrine. We intercede for everybody that's overcome by the powers of hell and darkness. They're overwhelmed with depression. Their minds are vexed with the attack of Satan upon them. In Jesus' name, God, we can't make them live for God, but we can build a bridge. In the name of the Lord Jesus, you haven't left us without a mediator. Hallelujah. But you gave your son a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that you are Lord of all. That's it, come on. Stand in their shoes tonight. Pray when they can't pray. Seek the face of God when they don't have a hunger to seek the face of God. Jesus' name, Jesus' name.